And uh, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up to 1 Kings chapter number 17. And as you're turning there, uh, as Pastor had mentioned, the uh, I Love Sunday School, we did put some of those on the back table there. They're bright pink. And so uh, the thought is, if maybe you have a friend or a co-worker or uh, even a family member that is not on our mailing, uh, you can grab one of those and just, it's already all filled out. You don't have to write anything. All the information is on there. If you want to jot a quick note or even sign your name, then uh, you can put your, their address on there and invite them as uh, we're trying to get uh, Sunday school. And I, let me encourage each and every one, uh, find, find a good five people that you can invite to that. Maybe you don't even have their address. Um, take one of those cards and just give it to them at work. And let them know, hey, we're having I Love My Sunday School. All the information is on there, and, uh, and it does not have to be mailed. You can just give it to them if you don't know their address or don't have it. So I want to encourage you to do that and try and uh, get the word out. And the idea is uh, we want to see new faces in Sunday school. That would be people that we don't know. Um, and maybe you know them, but we don't know them here at church. And so what a great opportunity uh, to be able to do that. And so I want to encourage you to help us with that. And then uh, as well, we're, we're looking to get some faces that back that we do know. Uh, so a lot of people, uh, honestly, have kind of fallen out of the habit. And so uh, I want to encourage you to help us with that. And of course, we are mailing them out to everyone. And, and so that is there. But, uh, but you know people that we don't know. And, uh, and you can get people in that maybe we, don't, we, we would never run into. Uh, even if we live the rest of our lives in Maslin, uh, we might never run into that person. Um, but you might see him every day at work or, you know, every week or every month or whatever, and you might know them better. So I want to encourage you to help us with that. We'll appreciate that. First Kings chapter number 17. We're going to look at, uh, we've been working through these, this series um, slowly. I, I've just been kind of maintaining it for Sunday school, but... Uh, uh, it's entitled Streams in the Desert, and honestly, I've enjoyed going through them and, and uh, uh, just kind of reading over the material and looking at all the information they give, and, and uh, it's an encouragement and a blessing to me, and I hope it's been a blessing and encouragement as well to you. In second, or First Kings, rather, chapter number 17, uh, we're going to see priorities in tough times, priorities in tough times. There's no doubt that uh, we could... There's no doubt that we could claim right now is kind of a tough time. Uh, we've saw we've had worse times, no doubt. Uh, but but for a lot of people, still they're struggling, and it is a tough time uh, in general. So I want to look at what our priorities to be in First Kings chapter number seventeen. We have Elijah. One of uh, I love studying the life of Elijah and Elisha in the Old Testament. Uh, they're probably two of the most exciting characters in the Bible as far as Old Testament characters and ministries are concerned. And so Elijah, or Elijah, yes, Elijah uh, has just gone in chapter uh, 16 and, and pronounced that there's going to be a famine in the land and, um, and so it, it has not rained. And then God instructed Elijah to go to the brook Cherith. And, uh, and Elijah had been by that brook Cherith for some time and uh, you remember the story, the Bible says that the ravens would bring him food. Uh, now, uh, could you imagine that? I don't know that it says ravens. It does say ravens. Uh, brought him uh, food, bread, and, and every single day would bring that. Um, I, I, 
I don't know if you know much about birds, but uh, ravens are not really, certainly according to Old Testament law, they are not a clean animal. In other words, there were animals that were deemed clean and, and animals that were unclean, and a raven would fall into the category of unclean. And, uh, and so uh, I thought that's interesting that every day uh, this raven would come by and bring Elijah food, maybe different ones, I don't know. And uh, as he lived by that brook Cherith, uh, eventually, because he had proclaimed that there would be no rain in the land, uh, you can imagine what's going to happen to the brook. Every day it's going to get smaller. And every day it did get smaller. To the point that uh, the Bible says that it actually dried up. And, and God commanded Elijah to go to Zarephath. Uh, and so we're going to look at that this morning. And uh, look with me in, in 1 Kings 17 and verse number 9 where God commands Elijah to move on. And he says, Arise, get thee to Zarephath, which belongeth to Zidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. So he arose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, behold, the widow woman was there gathering of sticks. And he called to her and said, Fetch me, I pray thee, a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to fetch it, he called to her and said, Bring me, I pray thee, a morsel of bread in thine hand. And she said, As the Lord thy God liveth, I have not a cake, but an handful of meal in a barrel, and a little oil in a cruise, And behold, I am gathering two sticks that I may go in and dress it for me and my son, that we may eat it and die. And Elijah said unto her, Fear not, go and do as thou hast said, but make me thereof a little cake first, and bring it unto me, and after make for thee and for thy son. For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, The barrel of meal shall not waste, neither shall the cruse of oil fail, until the day that the Lord sendeth rain upon the earth. Let's stop right there and let's pray. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you just for your goodness to us. Thank you, Father, for the opportunity that we have to open your word and to study your word and to look, Father, and and draw lessons that can apply to our life and be a help and an encouragement and a strength to us, Father, even during um, difficult times and struggling times. And God, may we find comfort and strength and and uh, and peace, Father, in your word and encouragement. And God, will thank you for that. I pray that you'd use me and speak through me. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. As we look at this passage, uh, I want you to notice just a few things. The first thing that we can see about this, uh, this story that I think is in, interesting and helpful is the unbelievable request that was made. The unbelievable request that was made. Look with me in verse number 10. Uh, as Elijah approaches this widow woman, the Bible says, So he arose and went to Zarephath, and when he came to the gate of the city, behold, a widow woman was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, Fetch me, I pray thee, a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And as we read that, I want you to notice that uh, one of the unbelievable requests that Elijah made of this widow woman was for water. 
Uh, and I love the way it's worded. To be honest with you, I read that a few times and I thought, isn't that interesting? All the, all the niceties and the politeness with which Elijah asked this widow woman. He didn't just go up to her and say, hey, uh, can you give me a, a, a cup of water? He was very, look at the wording of it. It's kind of ma- amazing. He says, fetch me. I pray thee, and I pray thee would just be a, a kind of like if you would do me this favor. He says, a little water in a vessel that I may drink. Now, uh, he was very kind about it. His wording that he goes through was very nice wording, and it was very well. Uh, but I do want you to notice this, that uh, there had been no rain in the land for quite some time. Matter of fact, the brook where Elijah had been staying, the Bible says that it dried up. And so the idea and the point here is that there is not much water in the land. If the brook where Elijah uh, had been staying dried up, there's a real problem. Now, here in Ohio, I can't imagine or fathom, uh, maybe there has been a time that we've had a drought, but really, in all reality, here in Ohio, that's not something we struggle with. We, we... You go to the faucet, you turn it on. Maybe during the summertime, in extreme cases, they may say, stop washing your car for a week. Uh, but, but every time you go to the faucet, you turn the water on, it comes out. And, and really, we don't fully comprehend or understand uh, the dire need of not having water when you want water. Um, I've had the opportunity to live in, in South America and in Peru and uh, water was not something that you just took for granted in South America. Matter of fact, most people in the houses, uh, they would have public water. You know, I mean, it was, it was you'd pay your water bill and et cetera and all that. Uh, but usually the pressure was so low and the, the water amount was so inconsistent that most people would have a large cistern or a tank on the roof of their house and, and it would, uh, as water would come, uh, it would fill that cistern up. And you had to be very careful that, and this was city water. This was not just a pump. This was city water. And so you had to be very careful that you didn't run your cistern dry or your uh, tank of water dry, because if you did, uh, it might take several days for that thing to fill back up. And so there were times uh, that, that you didn't have water. I remember many times we'd go to the church on a Saturday afternoon and... and, uh, and <laughs> There was no water to clean the church, and we didn't have carpeting and all of that, so mopping was essential, and actually a lot of the rough, car, rough uh, concrete flooring, you kind of sprinkle water down, and that keeps all the dust down. And so, uh, so having water was quite essential to be able to clean the church and, and get things to, to look nice, and man, there was many times we didn't have water. And I tell you what, when you need water and you don't have water, uh, it is a real difficulty. Um, and, and here, this lady, I'm sure, uh, she was aware of the fact that, hey, water was a scarcity. And in Bible times, they didn't have uh, city water plants. They just didn't go to the spigot and turn the water on. You've got to imagine, uh, they, would, they may, even wells were scarce. I mean, you think about the way we live today, it's so much different than it was in Bible times. Uh, we have, 
I don't know if you've ever seen a big drilling rig or not, but I, I have had the opportunity to see those. And I met a missionary in Peru. Matter of fact, one of his things that he did was go out to these villages that didn't have regular water, and he would drill wells for those villages and, and help them out. And, and it's a big ordeal, but in Bible times, they didn't have those drill bits. They didn't have those. In order to get a well, they would have to actually physically go out and dig a well. And you, you picture the big round holes in the ground, and of course the collapsing and all of that that would go there. So what I'm saying is, they didn't have the convenience of water that we have. And, and, and not having water is, well, water really is basically, it's a necessity. Uh, it, is a, it is a bottom line necessity. We need water on a regular basis. Now, we've come to take it for granted, uh, but this lady and Elijah, uh, they had not taken it for granted. They did not have indoor plumbing. They did not have all the water and accessibility. And when that stream ran dry, uh, that means, man, we're going to have to go to a well, and it's going to have to be a deep well. It's going to have to be one that's way down there with a long rope to be able to get to the water. And maybe those were not common. And so uh, when Elijah comes to this lady and says, hey, uh, I need water. You're talking about one of the most basic necessities of life. And she knew, well, it's a drought. And maybe she was thinking, is this guy crazy? We only have one well and uh, man, you know, I go and collect the little bit of water that I need for the day and I know how much I'm going to use and I set it aside. But nonetheless, even, even in the scarcity of water and even in, though it was an unbelievable request that he would ask for this, uh, I, I find it interesting that this lady, even in her need, would not deny Elijah one of the most basic necessities of life. And she said, well, I'll do that. And you look and, and look with me there in verse number, uh, the following verse. The Bible says in verse number 11, And as she was going, she didn't even stop to question. He said, hey, I need a drink of water. And she thought, you know what, this guy's passing through. I don't know if she knew that he was a prophet of God. But she said, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go get water. And she started to leave to go get this man uh, water and help him out. Uh, and maybe she thought, well, this guy's crazy. Doesn't he know that water is scarce? Doesn't he know that we're in a drought? Uh, maybe he's not aware of these things. Uh, but, but certainly she went, and we see the unbelievable request for water. Look with me as we think about the need for water. Save your spot there in, in, in 1 Kings 17 as we'll be back there. But go back to Genesis with me, 21. Genesis chapter 21 we'll see another account of when God supplied water. And, and of course, you know the story that God did supply water for uh, this widow woman and for Elijah and, and did take care of them. And we look at this, and I want us to realize that God understands our most basic needs in our life. And God can provide for our most basic needs. And so even though Elijah was requesting one of the most basic things, uh, it was something that she would do. In, in Genesis chapter number 21, I love this story, it's interesting, Hagar uh, had had a son uh, with Abraham, of course, and, and then Sarah uh, decided, hey, that was a mistake, and it was a mistake on their part to do that. And so she sends uh, uh, Hagar down the road with uh, Ishmael, her son. And, uh, and as they're leaving... Uh, of course, it's a desert area, it's a wilderness. And look with me in verse number 14. 
Abraham is about to send her away. And Abraham rose up early in the morning and took bread and, and a bottle of water and gave it unto Hagar, putting it on her shoulder. And the child's and the child, and sent her away. And she departed and wandered in the wilderness of Beersheba. And the water was spent in the bottle. And she cast the child under one of the shrubs, and she went and sat her down against him a good way off, as it were a bowshot. For she said, Let me not see the death of the child. And she sat over against him and lift up her voice... And wept. Now, you've got to kind of put yourself in her situation. Uh, again, the scarcity of water, the difficulty uh, of coming across water and, and finding water to drink. And so she was sent away with a bottle of water. And once that water was gone, she didn't have anything else. We don't know how old the child was, but uh, out, of, out of her heart, she said, man, I don't want to watch my child die, and we don't have water. We're in the wilderness, and perhaps the sun was high. Perhaps it was hot. We don't know. And so she set him under a bush, and she goes away off. Probably she could see him, but not hear his cries. And thought, I don't have, any, I don't have anything. I'm hopeless. Look with me as we stop there in verse number 17. And God heard the voice of the lad, and the angel of God called to Hagar out of heaven and said unto her, What aileth thee, Hagar? Fear not, for God hath heard the voice of the lad where he is. Arise, lift up the lad, and hold him in thine hand, for I will make of him a great nation. And God opened her eyes, and she saw a well of water, and she went and filled the bottle with water and gave the lad to drink. And so we find that God supplied for this, uh, for, for Hagar. And what I'm saying is, listen, as you read through the Bible and as you read through some of these things, uh, this was a dire set of circumstance for her. Uh, water, as I said, is a necessity. It's not something that you can go without. And so we find that uh, God supplied uh, Hagar with water. God supplied the widow woman at Zarephath and Elijah and her son with water. And it was an unbelievable request that he would ask for water. But yet it, it was made. And as we think about that as well, I want you to understand and realize too, uh, remember the woman at the well in John chapter 4. When Jesus goes to her and says, hey, uh, give me to drink. And, and she, of course, goes and gets him water. And, and then he says, basically, he says, hey, I am the living water. It says, he that drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst again. And I find it interesting that, that Elijah would ask for water, one of the basic essentials, and that, uh, that Jesus is the living water. Not only did he ask for water, but he made a request as well in verse number 11 for bread. Look with me there in verse number 11, back in 1 Kings chapter 17. And as she was going to fetch it, fetch the water, he called to her and said, Bring me, I pray thee, a morsel of bread in thine hand. And I find it interesting here, uh, verse 10, he made an unbelievable request for water. In verse number 11, he made an unbelievable request for bread. Now, bread is one of the most basic foods. We're not talking about uh, a sirloin steak. We're not talking about fried chicken. We're not talking about uh, some, uh, some nice meal or uh, anything of that nature. He's saying, hey, just bring me a, a piece of bread. 
So you've got bread and you've got water. We're talking about basic necessities. And I found it interesting. The Bible says in Matthew 4, in verse number 4, uh, Jesus answered when he was being tempted, and he said, A man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. And so here we have the most basic elements that are requested of Elijah or or of the widow woman by Elijah. And we find that he made this request. Now you've got to understand as well, if there's no rain, then there's no crops. Wheat doesn't grow very well if it does not rain. Uh, Corn does not grow very well if it does not rain. Any of the crops, they don't grow very well uh, if it does not rain. And it had not rained for some time now. And so there was a real problem. There was shortage of food. And as you look at this and you think about it, uh, you think, man, there was a real problem. And it was an unbelievable request for for Elijah to say, hey, also bring me a a little uh, piece of bread. I love her response and her reaction. Look with me at verse number 12. And she said, as the Lord thy God liveth, I have not a cake, but a handful of meal in a barrel and a little oil in a cruise. And behold, I am gathering two sticks that I may go in and dress it for me and my son that we may eat it and die. I find that interesting. I find that uh, with the water, she said, all right, that's fine. You know, I'll go and I'll get water. But when, and, and she goes, she doesn't even question. Apparently, I mean, the Bible doesn't give us any details. It seems as though he asks for water. She turns and starts to go get him water. There's no exchange. There's no words. She just starts to go and get it. And then he says, as she's going, she sa- he says, oh, and also, can you bring me a little slice of bread? And, and I can kind of see her frustration. And I could kind of see her stop dead in her tracks and, and maybe her face got all red and she got frustrated and she's saying, I cannot believe this guy, this stranger just walked in here and he asked me for water. That's fine. I go get that. But now he's asking me for bread as well. And that's all she can handle. And she turns around and she gives it to him. She says, look it, don't you know what's going on? Aren't you from around here? Aren't you aware that there's no bread? I don't have any, any, any flour, the little bit of flour and the little bit of oil that I do have. I've, I'm, I'm making up the last cake so that my son and I can eat it and then we're going to die. We're going to starve to death because we don't have anything else. And, and, and it's almost like she's saying, who are you that you're asking me for these things? And so it's an unbelievable request that he would even ask for bread. But yet, uh, as we see this and we look at it, and it's interesting again to correlate the fact that water, Jesus is the living water, and bread, that Jesus is the living bread, and, uh, and that he is the bread of life. Uh, but as we look at this, we see that these are basic elements of necessity, and that this widow woman herself is is very low and doesn't have these things in extra to give. So she's not giving out of an abundance. She's giving out of complete necessity. And then look at as he goes further on, and she, of course, tells him there in verse number 12, but look in verse number 13. And Elijah said unto her, Fear not, go and do as thou hast said, but make... Me thereof a little cake first. Now, I don't know. I mean, he's already angered her. Because the water, that's fine. She was going. The bread, 
Now we're stopping here. We're going to wait a minute. You need to understand some things. And now he's saying, make it for me first. I mean, if she wasn't already red-faced, I mean, I could see the, the deeper red, you know, coming out and, and perhaps the anger and the fire in her eyes as she's starting to become frustrated and saying, who is this guy? And, and it's really a good thing that Elijah did not give her a chance to speak and there was nothing recorded. Uh, and he goes right into verse 14 and that's a good thing uh, because he explains there in verse number 14 and look at what it says. He says in verse 14, For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, The barrel of meal shall not waste, neither shall the cruise of oil fail until the... That, the until the day that the Lord sendeth rain upon the earth. And I could kind of see that perhaps she would get uh, angered at this first request, but then going into verse 14, hey, for the word of the Lord says, and she has to pause and she has to think, wait a minute. Okay, wait, this, this changes all the dynamics. This changes the circumstances. And we see a request for priority. And let me tell you something, as we look at some of these, uh, it, was a, it was a request for water, there was a request for bread, and there was a request for priority of putting God first in her life. Now you look at the circumstances that she lived in. She was in dire times. She was in dire straits. Water was not easy to come by. She was completely out of flour. She was completely out of oil. She had just a little bit. She was going to make just a little bit for her son and her, and then they were going to die. And even amongst some of the most dire of circumstances, God's asking, hey, you put God first in your life. You move God to a high priority in your life. As I, as I lay out her life over top of our circumstances in 2021, I think, yeah, we're pretty much well off compared to her. I mean, that's not to say we don't have wants, uh, but, you know, the Bible does say, uh, my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory. And it's not our wants, and oftentimes we are, we are so uh, fluffed with so many things around us that when we start to lose the fluff around us, we're not even talking basic necessities. I promise you that every one of us this morning have good access to water and bread. There's probably not a single person within the range of my voice that is not lacking those two things. And if you are, uh, I, you, I will give you bread and water if you need it. And I'm serious about that. Why? Because most Americans and most people in, in, in our town and in our country are, are, listen, if there's somebody who genuinely needs uh, water and bread, We'll give it to them. I mean, we'll get it. I mean, it, it, we'll find a way to make it happen that you can have those basic necessities of life. I find that uh, I'll, I'll just address this really quick because sometimes we see uh, beggars on the streets and, and in, oftentimes in Peru we would see that uh, quite commonly that you would see a beggar on the street. And, and I remember um, oftentimes my, my missionary friend, he would, he would buy some bread. And, uh, and, and when we'd go out, if he found a beggar, he would try to give them bread. And nine times out of ten, matter of fact, probably ten times out of ten, they would turn it down. They don't want bread. They, that's not what they're in. They don't, their needs are not so great that they want a piece of bread. They're, 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 and so I'll just throw that out there. That's not the state that this lady was in. 
Uh, she was truly in dire need. And in her dire need, God said, put me first. It was not Elijah. It was God. You go on to verse number 14 and you find out that it was God making that request. And listen, God has made the same request of us. In Matthew 6.33, the Bible says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. He's talking about uh, supplying in Matthew chapter 6. He's talking about, hey, the lilies of the fields, are they not clothed with the beauty? And, and, and they don't even think about it. And the birds, aren't they not fed? And they don't even think about it. Uh, I read this, this week that uh, uh, somebody once said the greatest preacher they ever had was a little robin that would come to their window. He said they'd take a few little crumbs and they'd put it out the window and, and that robin would come and you know what that robin would do? Eat some of those crumbs and he'd fly off uh, to a little branch and he would just sing away. He was content. He didn't worry about tomorrow. He wasn't worried about another hour. He wasn't worried about any of the things that were coming. He, he just had his, his portion for the day and he was singing praises to God and, uh, and then he was all done and then he would tuck his little beak in his wing and he'd take a nap. And I thought, boy, we are so compassed about with all the cares of this world and all the things, and we need to get back to a basic of prioritizing God. I'm not saying that we shouldn't have all these things, but I'm saying our priority needs to be focused on God. This woman had absolute bare necessities, and yet we find the unbelievable request that was made uh, from Elijah, really from God. Look with me at verse number 15 as we find the unbelievable response. We've seen the unbelievable request there that was made. In verse number 15, we see the unbelievable response. The Bible says there in verse number 15, And she went and did according to the saying of Elijah. Now that's an unbelievable response. In verse number uh, 10, when she was requested of the water, she went. There was no dialogue. There was no uh, argument. There was no uh, problem. She said, you know what, I'll do this. But then when we see the bread, of course, we did see that dialogue. And we, we looked at that. And you can actually see where she is in life and how dire her circumstances are. And we see God's promise in verse number 14. And when things get tough, we need to grasp the promises of God. Now, I've said we're, we're not in those dire circumstances. I don't, I don't know of anyone that uh, really could claim that we have the dire circumstances that this widow woman was in. And yet, at the same time, we still need to grasp to the promises of God. The Bible says in 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse number 4, it says, Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through loss. Listen, as, she, as God gave her, and as Elijah gave her the promise of God, he said in verse 14, For thus saith the Lord God of Israel. Listen, our priorities can be switched to God 
And if you grab on to the promises that God has given us and you latch on to them and you say, you know what, God, you promised that if we would do this, that you would uh, do your part. Listen, God has never failed on his end of the bargain. It's man that always fails on our end of the bargain. We always fail in keeping up our end. And, and, And so we find that, listen, we need to grasp onto those promises of God. We need to claim them as our own. And we need to make them, I mean, real to us. So many times we don't. It's just, well, it's a book we consult, and, you know, when things get rough, we'll to open the Bible, we'll find a couple passages that are uh, consoling. But listen, we need to claim those promises. This widow woman, she grabbed onto that promise, and she said, you know what? If that's what God said, then I'm going to do it. There was no question. There was no dialogue. There was no uh, turning around and saying, well, uh, she had no words for Elijah. She just turned, and she went, And she said, you know what, if that's what God said, I'm going to do it. And we have complete obedience, not to Elijah, but to the word of God. What an incredible response that we need in our lives. If we had that same obedience to the the word of God, man, what a blessing we could get. What a a miracle that we could see God working out. And and listen, uh, to have that obedience, it requires trust. On our part, I came across this illustration, and and uh, it's entitled "Pedal," and and I want you just to listen to this story. It, and it's just interesting, and it might be helpful to you. It says, he says this. At first, I saw God as my observer, my judge, keeping track of things I did to know whether I merited heaven or hell. This is his perspective. And he was out there, sort of like a king. And I recognized his picture, but I did not know him. Later on, when I met Christ, life became a bike ride. So at first he saw God as a king just sitting on a throne, just trying judging between his works, and then later he met Christ. In other words, he got saved. And when I met Christ, life became a bike ride. It was a tandem bike, and Christ was in the back helping me pedal. I do not know just when he suggested we change places, but life has not been the same since. Christ makes life exciting. When I had the control, I knew the way. It was rather boring, but predictable. It was the shortest distance between two points. When he led, he knew delightful long cuts up mountains and through rocky places and at breakneck speeds. It was all I could do to hang on. Even though it looked like madness, he said, pedal. I worried and was anxious and asked, where are you taking me? He laughed and did not answer, and I started to trust. I forgot my boring life and entered into the adventure. And when I would say, I'm scared, he would lean back and touch my hand. He took me to people who gave me gifts of healing, acceptance, joy, and peace for our journey. He said, give the gifts away. So I did to people we met. And I found that in giving, I received, and our burden was light. I did not trust him at first to control my life. I thought he would wreck it. But he knows how to make bikes bend to take sharp corners, jump to clear high rocks, fly to shorten scary passages. I am learning to be quiet 
and pedal in the strangest places. I am beginning to enjoy the view and cool breeze on my face. And when I am sure I just cannot do any more, he just smiles and says, pedal. Isn't that that so true? Life is kind of like that. And I don't know if you've ever been on a tandem bike. I have, but I've always been in front because I like to be in control. That's the truth of the matter. All of us like to be in control of our life. But when you switch spaces and you're in the back, you're no longer steering. You're no longer in control. You're no longer uh, dictating which way things are going. You know what you're doing? You're going wherever that guy in the front's going. That's the bottom line. And if that guy in the front is Jesus Christ, listen, uh, your life will take some strange turns. It'll, it'll take some uh, strange paths. You might, like they said, you might go from distance A to B and, and you're going there where Jesus might take you a long way around and minister to other people and other people will minister to you on that journey as you go there and, and you'll eventually end up over there. But listen, it would not be the way that we would go because God does not do things the way that we do things. And we find that this lady's life, uh, she had been in control. The widow woman there in, in Zarephath, she had been in control. I mean, she had everything she had. She was doing the best she could. But then at this point in her life, you know what she did? She switched spots with Jesus and she gave him control. And she said, you know what? I'm going to follow God's word and I'm going to obey what he has. And we're going to see where this takes us. We're going to see how it turns out. We're going to follow God with our life. Listen, we need to follow God. It was an unbelievable response that she would trust. I want you to know this. I want you to understand this. Trusting is not blind faith. Sometimes we say trusting is blind faith. No, no, no. Trusting is not blind faith. Look at what it says there in verse number 14. For thus saith the Lord God of Israel... The barrel of meal shall not waste, neither shall the cruise of oil fail until the day that the Lord sendeth rain upon the earth. Now, it's true that she could not see the provision, but she could could hear the word of God and say, you know what, my faith is not in that oil and not in that cruise and not in that uh, flower, but rather it's placed in God. And while I cannot necessarily see God, I know that I can trust God to provide for my life. And so it's not necessarily blind faith, uh, and more so for us, I mean, we have the written word of God, and we can take the promises of God, and we can read them and study them and memorize them, and we can go back and we can take the word of God and we can say, look, God, right here, you wrote it down in your word uh, that you would provide for my needs and that you would take care of me and that you would always be with me. And we have something that we can actually see and, and say, well, there, there's the promises of God. She didn't even have that. But she knew who God was and she trusted in God. The Bible says this in Proverbs 3 and 5, we know the verse, it's a, a common verse. It says, trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. It was not logical for her to take the, the oil and take the flour and make for a, a cake for Elijah first. That was illogical. But yet it's what God asked. And she obeyed. And we find that God blessed. Not only do we have the unbelievable request we have the unbelievable response that she actually did that she obeyed God she trusted God she uh, obeyed God 
we find the unbelievable resource. Look with me at verse number 16, which we haven't read yet. Well, go back to verse 15. And she went and did according to the saying of Elijah. And she and he and her house did eat many days. Verse 16 is a miracle. And the barrel of meal wasted not. Neither did the cruise of oil fail according to the word of the Lord, which he spake by Elijah. We have an unbelievable resource in that God provided for this lady's future. She, she probably did all she could. She probably stretched her flour and her oil uh, when the famine began and the news reports started to flow through the land. Hey, we haven't seen rain and crops started growing uh, more scarcely and, and it was more difficult to get things to grow and it was more difficult to harvest the weed and she probably started setting aside and cutting back at that point and saying, you know what, we've got to conserve our flour, we've got to conserve our oil and, and she probably did all the measures that she could do coming up to the point that the final day when she was going to make her last cake, she's like, man, this is the end of it. This is all the oil that I have. This is all the flour that I have. I'm going to mix it. I'm going to eat. We're going to eat it. That, and I don't know what we're going to do tomorrow. We're done. And yet, God came in and said, you know what? That's all good. And everything you've done is good. Everything has been great. But I want you to put me first in your life. And she did. And we find that day after day, I don't think that she went to that that, that cruise of oil and that barrel of meal and, and it was full, I think there was, she would scoop it out. You know, when I, I have coffee at home, I like coffee. And, and when it gets down to three quarters of, of the container, I'm, I'm bugging my wife. I'm like, hey, we need to buy more coffee. I don't want to run out of coffee. And, and so, uh, so we get down there and I imagine she got down there to less than three quarters. And I don't like when we get to less to three, less than, a, I mean, less than a quarter. Um, and we're getting down there, and she probably scraped the bottom every time she stuck her scoop in and poured it out. And she's looking in there and thinking, That's, there's not even another full scoop. She'd put the scoop back in there, set it aside, make her little cake. And then tomorrow, she would go back, and she'd grab that thing, and she'd scoop it out. And it would scrape the bottom again, and she'd get another full scoop, and she'd set it aside. She'd look in there and be like, I, there's not enough for the next day. Put the scoop back in, set it aside go make her cake, and every single day she would go back and repeat the same process, and I could picture just dumping out the oil and the measuring amount, the amount she would need and looking, and there was, there was not even enough for the next day. There was a little bit in there perhaps, but not enough, and every single day God would provide for her need over and over and over and over again for, the Bible says, many days, and God took care of her. Because she put God first. And there was an unbelievable resource of God providing. Uh, doesn't the Bible say in Matthew 6, 11, give us this day our daily bread? It's not bread for the future and bread for the next uh, year and, and, and even for the next week, but God provides daily. And, and our untrusting minds want more than just a day's supply, but God was faithful. Every day was a step of faith for this widow woman. And he provided for her. 
Now I want you to notice that God didn't just provide for her future and take care of her every single step of the way, but I want you to notice that God took care of her house as well. It was not just her uh, physically, it was her son as well. And it wasn't just the son, uh, but it was also Elijah, whom she was feeding every single day. And, and I don't know if she would, uh, I kind of imagine that she would put Elijah first because that's what God said to do in verse, uh, verse number 14, that hey, she would prioritize God, so maybe she made Elijah's cake, and then she'd go back and make herself and her son a cake. But what I do know is that, listen, this was provided day by day by day by day. And I thought, I wonder if her son knew. I wonder if he saw. I bet she probably shared. She may not have shared all of her concerns and worry. But I bet after a week, she's like, hey, you know what, son? Every day I go back in there, and this container is, hey, I want you to go with me tomorrow. I want you to see this. And she'd scoop that flour out, and she'd dump that oil out. She'd look in there, there's there's not enough. But tomorrow we're going to go back. And there's going to be more there. And God is supplying and God is taking care of us. And I want you to see that, hey, God is is the one that's providing for our needs where I cannot. It's not what I've done and it's not how wonderful and intelligent I am, but it's God that's filling those barrels and it's God that's meeting our needs. And we need to share that with our children. We need to share the fact that, hey, God does take care of us. We don't have to give them all the weight of of our shoulders, but just let them understand and realize, hey, that God does take care of us. And God provides for our needs. And I'm sure that she shared that with him. And he realized, hey, that God was taking care of them. And and they would sit there and eat that cake and enjoy. But not only that, I think we have it recorded in the Word of God. But I think even more so, that little boy grew up, had kids. Man, I remember the time. My mom and I, we didn't have much. Man, it was the drought of 1973 or whatever the year. But God kept supplying for our needs. And he would tell his kids. And they would tell their grandkids. And I'm sure that it was something that was passed along for quite some time. Hey, my, my God supplied for my family. And that was my grandmother that that happened to her. And that was my great-grandmother. And they would pass that on from, for a long time. And it was a legacy that was left behind for them. Look with me in Psalm chapter number 78. I want you to see this in Psalm chapter number 78. We'll end with this psalm. The Bible says this in Psalm 78. Verse number 1, the Bible says this, Psalm 78, 1. Give ear, O my people, to my law. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. He starts right out with the word of God being the most important. Verse number 2. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings of old, which we have heard and known, and our fathers have told us. Verse 4. We will not hide them from our children, from their children showing to the generations to come the praises of the Lord and His strength and His wonderful works that He hath done. For He established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel which He commanded our fathers and that they should make them known to their children 
that the generation to come might know them, even the children which should be born, who should arise and declare them to their children, that they might set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep His commandments and might not be as their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation that set not their heart aright and whose spirit was not steadfast with God. You look at those verses, and, and it's amazing, and, and instruction there on sharing that with the generations to come, and how we are to let them know and, and, and follow God and share what God has done with, in our life. And this widow woman, she had something to share. Why? Because she moved God to the top of her priority list. And she said, you know what? I'm going to obey God, and I'm going to follow God above all things in my life. She was in far more dire circumstances than we are. And I tell you what, some, sometimes people wait until they hit those dire circumstances before they move God to the top of their priority list. You don't have to. Did you know that? You don't have to wait to that point. You could do it today and move God to the top of your priority list and say, you know what? I'm not going to wait until I hit rock bottom. I'm going to move God to the top of my priorities today. And I'm going to obey him and I'm going to follow what he has commanded and watch him work in your life. And he'll do that. He's faithful. He's never failed. And he never will if we'll just follow him and obey his word. With every head bowed and every eye closed as we stand to our feet. Father, we thank you for your word. What an incredible lesson of a widow woman in absolute dire circumstances, that made a decision, Father, to move you to the absolute first slot of priority in her life. God, I pray that you'd help us to be encouraged, strengthened, to keep you, to make you the priority of our life. God, it's so easy to climb back in that first slot of that tandem bike and say, well, I'm going I'm to drive today. But God, may we yield ourselves every single day to give you the priority of driving and for us to hang on and to pedal and see what you have for us in our life. God, what an adventure, what a, a blessing really to know that we're following you, we're being led by you every step of the way. Help us to trust you, help us to obey you, Help us to follow you in our life. Father, we'll thank you for that. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. So we have just a short hymn of invitation. If God's spoken to your heart. What a blessing. This illustration, this story in the Word of God. Trust and obey what he says we will do. Where he sends, we will go. Only trust and obey. What a good song. Thank you. Um, We'll bring our invitation to a close. And uh, I want to remind you, those pink um, postcards are on the back. If you know of somebody that you want to invite, please grab them. Uh, Grab a few. Make sure you give them out or or mail them out uh, one way or the other. And, uh, and we'll certainly appreciate that. All right, we have a few minutes for our church service starts. Um,
Smile at somebody and tell them you're glad to see them here this morning. God bless.